0: The Prophecy Club. Today we're going to be working on my project, and that is, as I've said several times, I'm called to build an army of end time prophecy teachers working miracles. Let me say it again I'm called to build an end time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. So, to that degree, I'm going to teach through chapter 10 of Revelation today, and also I'm going to tell you a little secret in advance probably in the next 48 hours or so, I will have some really good news to tell all of you, but I will wait until everything is confirmed. Okay, so anyway, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 10. Now, this is talking about the two witnesses. I've already made a whole broadcast explaining to you that I believe the two witnesses are Moses and John the Revelator, so we're not going to go into that, but it is telling us one of the things it's telling us, the primary thing it's telling us, is that John the Revelator is going to be one of the two witnesses. But there's some other things, so let's get into it. Revelation chapter ten. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, with a rainbow on his head, and upon his face was as were the sun, and his feet as the pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. All right, hold on. What's the little book? I believe the little book is the book that John will read out of as the other. uh, This is in my book, so I'm not going to go into all the details. But anyway, the, the little book is the book of judgment, or specifically Lamentations, Mourning, and Woe. There's only two places in the entire Bible where it talks about a little book that a prophet eats, and it is sweet in their mouth. And that is here, and then the other one, again, get the book to get into all of that. But essentially, the little book is the book of judgment. It's the book of lamentations, mourning, and woe. In other words, as John the Revelator is prophesying in the last three and a half years of the tribulation as one of the two witnesses, this is the book that he will eat to give him the words to say. Let's go on. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. Now, what are the seven thunders? Well, far as I know, no one has been told. And as far as I know, no one will be told. In other words, apparently John was shown something there that God is at least not right now, not up to this point, has not released, and there's no reason why he would have to. So we can pray. God will show us the seven thunders, but we'll see. Verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. Now, this is just a guess. It's just a big, fat guess. I do not know the name of the angel, but if I had a guess, I'd say it's probably Michael. Why? because Michael is the angel, the archangel, it stands for the people of Israel. And since John was obviously Jewish, a son of Abraham, and he's given this book, it's a reasonable guess, but that's all it is. It's just a guess. Probably it is the angel Michael. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created, and by the way, these next three sentences are some of my favorite sentences. (laughs) It's not that they mean a whole lot. It's just I love the way they're worded. I I quote them all the time. I just love the way they're worded. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein. So anyway, I think that's funny. It says therein are, therein are, and then are therein. Anyway, it doesn't mean anything, but I just love it. Again, when you memorize the word, you get to where you love the word. And let's go on. That there should be time no longer. Now, this part is important. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he had declared unto his servants the prophets. And the voice. Now, let's hang on. So, when is it that the seventh angel sounds? And what does he sound? Well, he sounds the seventh trumpet. So, what he's saying is, in the time when the seventh trumpet sounds, that is the end. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished. Now, what does that mean, mystery of God? That means all of the prophecies concerning the return of Jesus have been fulfilled, meaning in the seventh trumpet, which is the last of the seventh trumpets, is the time when time stops, Jesus has returned, All prophecies concerning the return of Jesus are then all fulfilled. That's the seventh trumpet, which, of course, is also the seventh seal ending on the same about or on that same day, and also the seventh vial. So the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial all conclude on the same day. And that would be the last day, or the day of the Lord, or the day of trumpets. That's the day that Jesus returns to burn the tares, along with two other angels that have sharp sickles that slash the grapes. So that is Armageddon, that is the burning of the tares, and the slashing of the grapes. Let's go on. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake to me again, and said, Go, and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went to the angel and said unto him, give me the little book. Now, again, I love this part here. it I love the way the King James rewords it and states it one way forward and the other way backward. And you'll see what I'm saying. And I said unto him, give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth, sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Now, this is the part that is pointing to John the Revelator as being one of the two witnesses. But you have to understand that until you understand that that book that's open in hand, the angel, is actually the book of Lamentations, Mourning, and Woe, or that is the book that gives John the words to prophesy in the last three and a half years of the tribulation, then you don't see it. But anyway, verse 11 says, And he, talking about the angel that stood upon the land upon the sea, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, according to Fox's Book of Martyrs, that John never left the island of Patmos. According to Fox's Book of Martyrs, he was boiled in oil, and they couldn't kill him, so they took him out of the oil. He was at that time so ugly, they banned him to the island of Patmos, where he died. So unless he got off the island of Patmos and went out to at least two kings and at least two nations, speaking at least two different tongues, that is unfulfilled prophecy. And so if Fox's Book of Martyrs is correct, and I believe it is, then that means that that word, that prophecy is unfulfilled. Here's the prophecy again. And he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Meaning? That is unfulfilled prophecy, meaning that John, the revelator, even though he died on the island of Patmos, is still going to come back and he's going to prophesy just like it says before many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now let's go to chapter 11. Now chapter 11 is talking about the two witnesses. And there was given to me a reed like a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city they shall tread underfoot forty and two months. Meaning that in the last days, when the temple is resurrected, the angel specifically tells him that the outer court is still given to the Gentiles. That says several things that says, one, the temple really is, as we have always suspected, going to be pulled out of that cave that Ron Wyatt said it was in, along with the Ark of the Covenant, and it will be resurrected once again. I do not think it's going to be a stone building. I think it will be the same tabernacle that Moses drug around out in the wilderness for some 3,500 years ago. Now, you may be saying, wait a minute, Stan, Uh, that's what some... Twenty five hundred, three thousand years ago. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the years, but it was a lot of years ago. Well, wouldn't that be old and dilapidated? I remember asking Ron White that question. He said, "Nope." He says it's made of lamb's wool, and it's as good today as it was the day it was put into that cave, and it's still good today. And he believes that they would bring it out, and then the spirit of God would enter into it once again and it would be resurrected. So that's telling you that that's going to be there. And besides that, there's another scripture that says that the Antichrist goes in and sets on the Ark of the Covenant, which is the abomination of desolation, and proclaims himself God. So that all has to happen, and that happens in the middle of the tribulation. So, yes, we will see the temple resurrected again. Let's go on. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a 1,300 score days. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they under underfoot forty and two months, meaning that the Gentiles are going to be walking all over Israel for the last three and a half years, or forty-two months, or time, times, and the dividing of time, however you want to say it. Verse 3, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, which I believe are Moses and John the Revelator. "...and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth." Meaning, for the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, John the Revelator and Moses walk all over the city of Jerusalem. So while we see the false prophet and the Antichrist or the beast... In the Holy of Holies, we see them in Jerusalem. We see him sitting on the Ark of the Covenant. That's the abomination of desolation I just spoke of. While they're doing that, the two witnesses of God are walking up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Now, it's about to tell what they do. Let's go on. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Why does he call them olive trees? Well, what are olive trees famous for? Surprisingly, the oil is more used than the olive. In other words, as far as the temple is concerned, olive trees give the oil for the burning of the menorah or the candlesticks. So, olive trees bring forth oil. Oil is a a, a picture prophetically of the anointing of God. So, what it's saying is these two are olive trees or candlesticks that pour out the anointing of God upon the earth. These are the two that refute everything the Antichrist and the beast say, or the and, the and the false prophet, because the Antichrist is the beast. Okay, I mean, there's actually two beasts, but I'm trying to delineate it here. So everything that the Antichrist, i.e. the beast, and the false prophet say, the two witnesses, John the Revelator and Moses, refute openly. So it's a big battle. This is the great battle, once again, of Elijah between God and the prophets of Baal. Verse 5. And if any man will hurt them, and here is the morning star, if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Meaning, as these two witnesses walk all over Jerusalem, and we got the beast and the false prophet, spewing out lies and great miracles and lying signs and wonders. We've also got the two prophets of God walking around and refuting everything they're saying. But anybody wants to mess with the two witnesses, they have the morning star, and they just blow air out of their mouth or their nostrils, same thing Jesus does when he returns at the Battle of Armageddon. And as they blow that out, it turns to light, and it burns them up. And a morning star, when it hits them, it burns them up, both body and soul. Again, I cover that in my book. If you want to understand all of this, you get my book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth, which is the morning star, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. And have power over water to turn them to blood, as to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. In other words, they are the counterbalance, they are the refuting of the beast and the false prophet. So anybody who tries to mess with, them, mess with them, they just blow out of their mouth, morning star hits them, they fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul instantly. Verse seven. And when they shall finish their testimony, The beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. Now, this is a good time to explain that. I had someone the other day say, do you think that the Antichrist is alive today? Nope. Well, how long do you think we have until the tribulation starts? I said, only a few years. Do you think it's less than 30 years? Oh, absolutely. Think it's less than 10 years? Probably. Less than five years? Very, very possibly. Less than three years, you know, I mean, I'm not setting dates, but very possibly. Okay, then, how can it be that the Antichrist is not already alive? Well, here is your answer. Let me read it again. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them. Meaning, the Antichrist is not born of a woman. He has already been born. He is the eighth. He is of the seventh. And he ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. What's in the bottomless pit? Departed souls. Meaning, one day, here's where way it works. One day there was no antichrist or beast on the earth. The next day there is. He ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. One thing I think is interesting is the Muslims are waiting for their Mahdi, which they claim will ascend out of a well. And if you go into all the details, and I forget all the details here. It's in another one of my DVDs that I made. But somewhere back, like in the 500s, this uh, great Mahdi guy, this great uh, religious guy of the the, uh, Muslims, reportedly fell into a well. And they say that in a time of great chaos – and great war that he will ascend out of the well. And I think that's very interesting because the Bible says that the beast, meaning the Antichrist, will ascend out of the bottomless pit. Now, let's go ahead and read that again. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them, and shall kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie on the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, in other words, Jerusalem, where also our Lord was crucified. And there the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer the dead bodies to be put in graves. In other words, they want these guys to be embarrassed, and they are so happy that their man, their hero, the Antichrist, also known as the beast, this guy that is the most beautiful-looking man that has ever lived, what will appear to them to be one of the brightest, smartest guys of all time. They will call him the God-man. They will think that that is God in the flesh just defeated these two guys. Now, let's go on, though. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gift one to another because these two prophets that tormented them that dwelt upon the earth. Now, there was a time when I suspected... That that might be around Christmas time. However, as I went, began to get these revelations, as I began to put those revelations in the book, and as one of my charts lays out the feasts chart, if you look at that, how those feasts lay out there, none of them are close to Christmas. Meaning, this does not have anything to do with Christmas. Let me read that again. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and shall make merry and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt upon the earth. So, this has nothing to do with Christmas. This simply has to do with, and by the way, it is probably close to the end, which is the fall part of the year. Let's go on. And after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet. And great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. That's the same words that were spoken to John when he was taken up to heaven to show his vision. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. Now, everything ends in terms of the time all associated with a great earthquake. This is where Isaiah 40, verse 4 comes into play. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places, plain. Meaning, this is the day of the Lord. So the death of the two prophets is closely associated with the day of the Lord. It is either on the day of the Lord or just prior to the day of the Lord. So the two witnesses, I know a lot of people wonder, well, do they come up in the first half of the three and a half years or the last half of three and a half years? The answer is, without question, the last half of the three and a half years. Because when it says, and the same hour was there a great earthquake and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. That is telling you that it is either on the day of the Lord or within a few short days of it. So there is no question the two witnesses live in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Verse 14, and the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded. Now, remember, we were talking about that earlier in the chapter before, when the seventh angel sounded, it's all over, okay? And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. Meaning, this is the day that time stops. The heaven rolls back like a scroll. Meaning, time rolls back like a scroll, and eternity, or darkness, enters in, and that's when you'll never see the sun, the moon, or the stars ever, 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 ever again. Verse 16, And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, notice they are not sitting on thrones. The four and twenty elders do not have thrones. They simply have seats. Fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was, and art to come. Because thou hast taken to thee thy great power, and has reigned. Again, this is day of the Lord. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. So that answers another question. I can't tell you how many times people get confused because they don't understand what the wrath of God is. The wrath of God is not seven years. It's not three and a half years. It's not 30 days. It's not 100 days. It is one evening and one morning, and this proves it. The nations were angry and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give a reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and then that fear thy name. That is the Feast of Trumpets. That is the day Jesus returns. He said, my reward is with me to give every man according as his works shall be. That's the day that we get not just our wedding garments. We got the wedding garments four months earlier when we went to, went to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the day that we get all of our rewards, our crowns, and everything that we have coming to us. Let me read that last verse again. That they should be judged. Thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and that they fear thy name, both small and great. Again, that's the day of the Lord, the last trumpets. And shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. The great hail happens because at this time, the sun has been out for 48 hours. And when the sun goes out... Space temperature is minus 455 degrees, and it only takes about 48 hours for the Earth temperature to drop down to the point where all humidity in the atmosphere is now made into giant hailstones about the weight of a talent, it says, which is somewhere around 75 pounds or about the size of a beach ball. And probably it's going to fill the Earth anywhere from three to seven foot deep all around the Earth killing just about everything that is on the face of the earth, and only the birds and very very few things will survive that. But there will be a few people underground that still survive that, and those are the nations, those are the ones that didn't take the mark, so they aren't destroyed, but they didn't receive Jesus either. Their name's not in the book of life, so they don't get eternal life. Those are the nations that are allowed to live up to, but no more than, a thousand years. Years again, all of this is explained in my book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at ProphecyClub.com. One for twenty-five, for thirty, ten for fifty-five. There is no other book on Bible prophecy like this, and it's not saying I'm anything special. It's saying that we're in the last days. The Holy Spirit helped me to memorize the Book of Revelation. I could not have done it without God. It was His idea for me to even start it. He gave me the wisdom and knowledge. We really are about to go into the tribulation. He's doing it because he wants to get his people informed. 1 for twenty, five for 30, 10 for 55. Again, 1 for 20, but don't do that. At least get 5 for 30 or 10 for 55 at prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com. And if God has blessed you and if Prophecy Club has been a blessing to you, we really need your blessing, your benefit, your help, whatever you can do for us right now. God bless. In 2017, God blessed me by helping me to memorize the book of Revelation just as a simple project. God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end-time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. I don't want you to get one book for $20. I want you to get five books for $30 or... 10 for 55. It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Available at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20. No, no, no. Don't do that. You want to get five for 30 or the best deal, 10 for 55. Prophecyclub.com. So we put together six DVDs, five titles, valued at $160, all for a gift of just That's less than $10 a DVD. First one, what's wrong with Halloween? Dr. Jack Clooney is a ranking authority on Satanism, witchcraft, white supremacy, and other forms of occult and occult activity. He helped investigators from the FBI, CIA, OSI, Border Patrol, and dozens of police and sheriff organizations across America in occult-related crimes. The average Christian has no idea of the influence of the occult in crimes. America's Occult Holidays by Doc Marquis. Doc was raised in an Illuminati family, trained as an Illuminist, and attained the rank of Master Witch third degree. He has been a Christian since 1979 and appeared on and consulted for The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Raul Dovera Show, Hard Copy, Inside Edition, Unsolved Mysteries. He reveals how all American holidays are designed to be used as an occult numerical pattern originating from the Illuminati. Discover the real truth behind the popular holidays like Christmas, Easter, Halloween, Valentine's Day, May Day, and other traditions of men, and learn the truth behind occult practices like trick-or-treat and May Day. Occult Holidays Revealed by Stephen Dollins. Stephen is an ex-Satanist high priest of the Church of Satan. He reveals the truth and the true origins behind Christmas, Easter, Halloween, and the world's most celebrated holidays, including Is Christmas The Real Birth of Jesus, Is Easter Celebrating the Resurrection of Christ, and What is the Hidden Agenda Behind Halloween? The Occult in Your Living Room, also by Stephen Dollins. Stephen exposes the subtle devices used to infiltrate the homes of Christians and non-Christians alike to lure the young and the old into the practice of witchcraft and Satanism. Discover the evil truth behind today's crazes like movies, video games, and role-playing fantasy games. These devices initiate our children into the world of the occult by making evil appear to be cute, such as Teletubbies, Pokemon, and others. Vampires and werewolves, real or fake? Bill Snevelin was a voodoo priest, Wiccan high priest, second-degree member of the Church of Satan, a New Age guru, occultist, Chandler, 90th-degree Mason, and... A Knight Templar, Vampire Initiate, and member of the Illuminati. Due to the increased media exposure, vampires, werewolves, made to appear seductive, many people are becoming intrigued with evil. All six DVDs, five titles, $160 value, all for a gift of just $40 at prophecyclub.com. It's called The Occult Holidays Gift Offer, and if you order by October 25th, you'll get it in the lower 48 states by Halloween. That's the Occult Holidays gift offer. Six DVDs, five titles, gift of $40 at prophecyclub.com. You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings and soon over 300 without interruption. Most people would agree. 300 titles, normally $30 each. A gift of $100 a month would be reasonable. $50 a pretty good deal, but the introductory rate for a limited time is just $20, recurring monthly subscription. A one-year subscription is a gift of $200. There's no contract. You can cancel any time you want to, and you get the first three days free just to check it out. The best deal is a yearly subscription that'll lock in your rate for a year, even when we raise the rates. WatchProphecyClub.com Go check it out. WatchProphecyClub.com The easiest way to listen and watch Prophecy Club YouTube videos is to download our free app from the App Store. This is not to be confused with WatchProphecyClub.com where you can watch 26 years and over 300 DVDs for a subscription of $20 a month or $200 a year. The app allows you to watch our YouTube videos and listen to our radio programs very easily. Go check it out at your app store. We would not be here without your prayers and generous financial support.